sin vergüenza. It's how I live my life. Unapologetically queer, unapologetically brown, unapologetically me. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Nate, and we are back with another edition of Sin Vergüenza. And here with me today is one of the biggest Sin Vergüenzas of Hillcrest. You might recognize him. It's Tim from like Uptown Tavern to like the kickball fields of Morley Field to the back rooms of the Eagle. Tim, oh what are you doing tonight? Hello, I'm doing great. Oh my God. I know, I know. I, I always try to embarrass everyone because it's seen by Wednesday, you know? I, I want to see what your embarrassment level is. Eh, I'm not really embarrassed. I'm okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, one of the things that I think about when I came here to San Diego was moving from Texas to California. I always had this idea that everything was going to be extra gay, but also kind of extra like hipster and vegan, you know, growing up in Texas, I always thought like California was like the land of the gays. Everybody was free to do what they want. I was in the closet for so long. And when I got here, you were one of the first gay people that I met, like one of my first friends and you've become like almost like my best friend. And you were like the person who showed me kind of the ropes here in San Diego. Right. Yeah, and I, I remember that. Like, <laughs> I feel like you invented the ropes here. Oh, please. No, I just followed along for just a very long time. That's really what I did. Well, and you know, you didn't always follow along for the longest time because you were actually, I mean, I don't want to say anybody was straight, right? Because we don't really turn from gay to straight or straight to gay. We always have these back and forths. Um, but you were in a heterosexual relationship for a very, very long time. Yes, I was. I was in a relationship for 15 years and I, we ended that when I was 30. So I'm still somewhat new to the area, but at the same time, I just threw myself in there, just balls to the wall. Let's go, let's do this, you know, figure it all out. And here I am. <laughs> so before we talk about your sticky balls on the sticky balls of Hillcrest, <laughs> let me back it up. So you're a cisgender man who previously to coming out of the closet, you were married to a cisgender woman. Correct. So how was that for all of those years? I mean, is it as horrible as it sounds? <laughs> it really wasn't horrible. You know, at that time, I felt that that's what was supposed to happen. What was, you know, I was, that was what I was supposed to do. You know, I had the whole like white picket fence, you know, and then had a baby and then had another one, you know, and it was, it was, it was just what was expected. It's the only thing I ever knew, you know, I had gay cousins and, and that were out, but I didn't know anything about their world, you know, and I met her so young so that I just felt that I, I was in love with her, which I really was. Don't get me wrong. I was in love with her, but it was just a, a phase of my life where I was figuring everything out. By the time I figured it out, I was already five years into a marriage, you know, and like, what do I do now? What's, where do I go from here? Do I just suppress it, let it go and, you know, get my fix every now and then? Like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. So I kind of just like, just let it go. And it, it was not all horrible. There were some points where I struggled with myself and trying to figure out where I was at and where I was going to go, but it all ended up just working out. And it, the, the relationship itself just deteriorated on its own. It wasn't like, oh, I'm gay. So I'm going to come out and I'm going to go and I want to have sex with all these men. It just, the relationship itself just started to decline. And here, I, here we are. <laughs> here you are. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so in this relationship, I mean, I don't want to get too much into your personal, personal life with, with your, you know, ex-wife and your marriage on that. But obviously there were times where you would like see men and think they were attractive. Was there ever like that struggle of like, I don't know, I'm gay, maybe I'm not. Or was it always like, I'm gay, but I need to do this? Um, no, I really, I never really struggled with that. So I was always very 
curious. Uh, I thought it was bisexual because I was still able to, you know, have sex with her. And I've had sex with other women prior to that, you know, so I thought it was bisexual. But then, you know, once we separated, then I started really going with men. And then I really didn't realize it until I was already like in my first gay relationship with my ex. So, you know, that was when I was like, okay, I have zero interest in women, like at all. My life has all been about men these past six months, a year, you know? So that's where I realized that I was, that was gay. I thought it was bi the whole time, but nope, fully gay. And Love do it. you ever find yourself attracted to women now? No, not at all. Not at all. There's like zero interest. You know, I mean, I can appreciate a, a woman's beauty, but I'm not like, I want to take her to the back room. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag same. I, 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 I see women and I can admire their beauty, but there's no part of me that wants to like ravage them. Yeah, like none whatsoever. You know, it's it's funny. Like I just I had a lot of straight friends, you know, back when I was with my ex-wife and I never had those thoughts. The thoughts I have for men now, you know, like, you know, undressing them in your mind and like, OK, I'm going to go take him over here. I'm going to go take him and do that. These guys had this for women and then I never really had that. And it, it didn't really dawn on me until like. I, after I came out and I was just like, oh shit, you know, like I never had those thoughts. I think it just was always just suppressed just because the upbringing of my family and everything, you know, it was like a, not embarrassment, but just something I couldn't do, I guess. That's how I felt at that time. Did you, okay. So first let's, let's clarify this. Your family is Mexican or Mexican American or what, what would you say their makeup is culturally? Uh, Mexican American. Like my mom, she was born in Mexico, but raised here in San Diego. And then my dad was, he's from San Antonio and they're, they're very Mexican American. My mom, they were very traditional Mexican from, from Tijuana, but then uh, my grandma passed away years ago. Then we kind of just transitioned into Mexican American. Like we lost the, I don't speak Spanish well at all. And once she passed away, everyone just stopped using it. And that was, she passed away before I was born. So it's almost 40 years. So when, <laughs> and your dad is also military, correct? I mean, you, you have a military family, your dad, your brother, you. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's Navy. So he was in the Navy throughout like the seventies and eighties, I believe. So he, that's how my dad ended up here in San Diego. So growing up, did you ever hear things bad about gay people or, you know, was there always like this embarrassment or stigma, you know? Like oh the yeah, stuff? of course. All the time, you know, um, just everything, you know, the games we used to play as a kid, they taught us how to play. I think it was smear the queer. You know, I remember playing those games and just like, it was all of our friends. And my brother taught me this, my older brother. So it was about like, you get a football and you were in the yard and just throw the ball up in the air. Whoever catches it, everyone just tackles them. And that was called Smear the Queer. You know, and like, and there was a bunch of shit like that. Like a lot of games that, not just games, just like, every, just the way everyone talked. Like it wasn't okay, you know? But it was also a different time, you know? It was like late 80s, early 90s. So it was a very different time. Now it's not like that with my family. Now they've become more accepting some of them are just tolerant but i'll take it you know and now smear the queer for you means something completely different <laughs> very, very different very very different, very especially, different. especially good, if you're at the hole in the wall bar that's oh that's a good sunday yeah. <laughs> that's you got to get a COVID test and an std test like oh a lot of tests on monday yeah definitely i gotta get that penicillin shot so when you were in the military for what branch were you in first? I was in the army. In the army. And at that time you were married, but you were still kind of looking I, at. No, I wasn't married yet. I was 17. I was 17 when I joined. I, I graduated high school early. So I went into the military when I was 17. 
I wasn't married. I was with her, but I wasn't, we weren't married yet. It was just like dating. It was like long distance dating. And so I, I guess for anybody who's kind of coming to their own, they're thinking about men, they're curious about it. And then you're in the military. Did you ever see anything or, or get any kind of, you know, sensations? <laughs> Were you I, you know, I, I really didn't. Um, I, not even during like basic training. I think you're or any of my training at all. That's where you're exposed to like everyone showering together and all that stuff. But you're so exhausted. You're so tired that like, your body's just done. So like, I never really thought about any of that. And I was serving during the don't ask, don't tell era. So you could still get kicked out if anything came about. But at that point I had zero experience with any type of man, like any man whatsoever. I was never sexually experienced with anybody besides my ex-wife at that point. Yeah. So, so you went through all of, you know, basic training, all of your service, which thank you for your service, by the way. Um, I know you hear that in a different way, but thank you for your service in the military. I want to make that clear. (laughs) And, And so now you're back, your relationship's not working you are out in the streets. Like, what was that like for you? Your first sexual experience with a guy, might I add, <laughs> you had, you know. Yeah, with a guy, I mean, that, that was, it was interesting. So the first actually gay bar that I went to was in Hillcrest. It was Fiesta Cantina. I went with one of my cousins who was, who was out at that time. I ended up being, we ended up being roommates for a while. So, and it was like down the street from all the bars. It was just... I don't know. It was just, it was just fun. Like, I mean, I just, I felt comfortable. I felt welcomed. I felt I could be myself without anybody judging, without anybody saying anything, you know, like you're, you sound gay, you're too feminine or, you know, like why are you being a fag? You know, like my brother, my older brother always said that to me. So it was just, it was, I don't know, it was was liberating. And then just bringing the guys home, it was even better. It was just a bonus on top. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I just, I became hooked like right away. (laughs) (laughs) You were hooked. And then after that, it was all downhill. Well, I mean, you go your whole life and you try to be somebody that you're not, and you feel some kind of attraction. You feel some kind of love. I mean, you're doing what you think you're supposed to do, but there's always a part of you. I mean, I'm talking from my experience, right? You, there's a part of you that you just feel is missing a part of you that you, you need to satisfy. And I think us as human beings, we have our emotional parts. We have our intellectual parts and we also have our, our sexual parts that, that, that need that kind of satisfaction and right. so that it was just kind of, you know, for you anyway, did you feel that that sort of way? Yeah, like definitely, you know, it was very, it, it was it was just it was very surreal because I you know towards the end of the relationship I started to kind of go on like online gay stuff and just kind of figure everything out you know we were already separated but still living together so just trying to figure myself out and just trying to go through that and I never would imagine at that time what my life would be like today I mean I think that was. 12 years ago when I realized like this is where I need to be this is where I want to go I would never have thought at that time like what my life would be now like it's just completely different than what I, I thought it was going to be, you know, I had two kids, a wife and like, I'll tell you white picket fence house. Like it was the supposed American dream. And I was just so unhappy. I was so unhappy. Now, now I love it. You know, it's just, it, it's just crazy. It blows my mind how, how um, happy I am from just, from just coming out just doing that. It's not really a little thing, but like realizing and finding myself, it's, it just made me so happy. And, and I feel fulfilled in a lot of ways. That's a good word, right? The fulfillment that you, you didn't have. So now you're happy. You're 
in line with yourself. You said that your family's more accepting all that's together. Did your ex-wife just like completely like hate you? Was it like a get the hell out yeah. of your life? Yeah, that, that's a crazy story. She was pissed. Like she was so mad. But I mean, it had nothing to do with her at that point. But she was just angry. Like we were both going through it at that time, you know? Like, I mean, we were we were all we each other knew. Like it was 15 years. You know, I met her when I was 15 years old. We separated when I was 30. You know, like I was with her at that point half of my life. So we both were just like kind of hurting and going through it at that time. Yeah. And she, you know, like we were married. So we had a lot of things linked up together. And my Dropbox was linked up. And she saw some photos of me with somebody with a man kissing him. And she's like, I knew it. I knew it. And she got pissed off. And I was like, damn, well, it's none of your business, first off. And like, in second, like, I, I mean, I respect you and I didn't want to tell you, but. That's not the way I wanted you to find out, but I was like, you know what, fuck it, like it happened. It's how she found out and it is what it is, you know? And our divorce wasn't final, so then it got really, really crazy then with like custody and oh, yeah, it, it got crazy there. So it was, she was pissed. But then, you know, like, like I think it was a year, it took her like a year went by. I was already in another relationship with a man and it was just very, she just, she had no choice but to accept it, you know? like or just be tolerant is really what it is. She, she still doesn't accept it, but it's just, she's tolerant. I mean, I'm the father of kids and like, I'm a great father to them. They, they love me, adore me and, and I'm great with them, but she still has that in the back of her mind. Like, you know, I know she's like that little faggot, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to say that word, but like, <laughs> I, mean, I just feel she's still angry, but we're good friends. We're in a great place and I'm happy with where we are. It took time, but we're here. We're in a great place. We co-parent well. And, you know, she supports me a lot in a lot of ways, a lot more than what I, I would expect. Yeah. I, I, I can't even imagine what that's like, you know, divorce or even breakups are just hard in general. And then when you add that layer on top of it, that, you know, the partner I'm with is with someone of the same sex. I don't know if I can compete with that. Maybe I can't. What, what am I doing that I, that person can't give that that person gives him that I can't. I mean, there's a lot of layers to it. So I'm glad that at least now things are, you know, on the positive and you're able to co-parent, which is a good transition to this question I have for you. So how do you function as a, as a gay father? It's rough. It's rough. You know, like, and I'm single, you know, now, so that that makes it very difficult because it's just a, nobody understands what I go through. You know, like, I mean, like, there's a few, like, like yourself, like, you know, I talk to you a lot about everything, but there's other people that just don't understand anything that I go through at all. You know, there's times where I'm super busy with, I have work going on. I have like Mondays and Tuesdays, I have the girls. And right now with school, with the distant learning, and now they're back in school, but now it's just a challenge of getting them to school and getting them out. Like, I have to readjust to that. But nobody gets how, like, I just have to separate from, you know, all my, all my friends are single, young gay men, you know, and well, not all, but a lot of them, they, they don't get it. And it's just very frustrating where I'm like, look, I have a lot going on, you know, like I have two kids and I have to go to work and I have to work this many hours at the work on this, this day. Like I have to make, make money because it's just me taking care of myself and two human beings, you know, like you have a dog that's cute, you know, but like, no, I have to take care of two kids and there's a lot going on. It's, it's a hard balance. I felt for a while I had a really good balance of like, work home social life but it just always one always always the other whether it be work outweighing everything or my social life will outweigh everything or my time with my kids it's very hard to keep that balance and nobody gets it like nobody gets it like when i'm like no i can't go i can't go to i can't go tonight 
you know, like I have, I have shit to do tomorrow, you know, or I have to take the girls to school or I have the girls have to pick them up early or something. They just, they just don't get it. They're like, well, you can still do it. I'm like, no, but I'm also like almost 40. And like, if I drink tonight, like I'm done tomorrow. Like I'm, I'm dying, you know, like it hurts. <laughs> like that's, it's hard. It's very difficult for people to understand. The closest people to me understand it. And then with dating, they just, they think I like, want them to like take care of my kids you know and i'm like oh no first off you're not going to meet them for you know for a while you know until i know this is like a real thing you're not going to ever meet them you know but you can understand like they're number one too they're number one in my life not you at this point you know so i think it's intimidating for a lot of people I think you just don't want to deal with it either. Yeah, I can see how that can go like one of two ways. Like they're either intimidated by it. They're like, oh shit, this guy has kids. I don't want to deal with that. Or they're like, daddy, you know, mask for mask. This guy has kids. There's like sometimes, you know, that sexual fantasy of, you know, you being like a <laughs> great guy that had kids. Oh yeah, I get both. I get both of that. I get both all the time, especially like the daddy thing. But then it's, it's there's nothing real that comes from that. Like it's good sex, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, I'll just take advantage of it as it comes, you know? It's usually like the younger guys are like, really, like you want to fuck me right now? Okay, let's do it, you know? Like, and then I'll go with the whole daddy thing. You know, like I'll go with it. Fuck it. It works. Do they want you like to show for you to show them like your daughter's rooms or call them? No, 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 no. <laughs> like they have their own daddy issues or all of that. I know. Oh my God. No, I, but a lot of them too. Like I know they like want, they, they want that. They have daddy issues. So I know like a lot of them, they want me to like pay for them. They want me to do this. I'm just like, no girl, they're going to be paying for you. Like we're splitting this. I'll buy you a drink. You know, I'll get you some poppers on the way on the way to my house like that's about it you know <laughs> You're a lot more generous than i would be no, this, is, this is what it is but leave the poppers here you know like don't take them <laughs> <laughs> well they'll burn your nose remember oh my god i know <laughs> so your girls do they know that you're gay oh yeah of course i mean uh, they when i came out my youngest daughter was two years old so she didn't really understand the concept of being gay but my oldest i think she was six at that time well actually no she was six when i came out to her i mean now now both my kids know they're they're great like they support me 100 percent, and you know they're they're my best friends like they're amazing i love hanging out with them and you know we have a great relationship and they're always just supporting me they want me to like find somebody i'm just like no like but yes but no like i don't know like there's all this you know how i go back and forth with everything and no they support me 100 it's it's amazing you know and now at first i think they were they go to a conservative school so i think they were very not a, yeah they were very embarrassed because nobody at their school has any gay parents whatsoever and not even a lot of gay people there like i remember one girl kind of was attacking my daughter and threw that out there and was like told everybody that i was gay and then she was like yeah she's trying to use that against me and this and that but you know now they're she's comfortable and they defend me you know like i told them i don't need them to defend me but they're i want them to be comfortable with it and that was and i felt like shit because i'm like damn, I hope they're not getting like bullied because of me being myself, yeah. you know, which was a very difficult thing. And like now, like I didn't do it when I was young because I didn't want to get beat up and, you know, I, I didn't want any of that shit. And now it's happening to my daughters, you know? So that was very, 
that was very, that was a tough pill to swallow to just you know have them get you know bullied for that. But then that was seventh, their seventh grade, so like all these little hormonal teenage girls are crazy. They're they're crazy. They are so crazy. And then like oh my god, both my daughters when they're on their cycle, it's it's a crazy household here. It's crazy. Young teenage girls are just insane. That, that that sounds crazy. And it's already rough for, I think, teenagers growing up and going through life. And then, you know, adding the mix of being in a conservative school with a gay dad. I, you know, I, I can't imagine because I'm sure these little conservative girls are like doing these dances on TikTok one day and then being homophobic the next day and then screaming and being friends again the next day. Like it's 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 a roller coaster. I don't have yeah. kids. I don't know. I don't know. I And I really don't want kids either because I feel that they're a burden. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, no, all jokes aside, I, kids are great while they're with other people. I just don't feel like I need kids. No, oh, yeah, they're, they're great. It, it's difficult. It's hard. But like, I mean, I love them to death. It, it's, it's, it's just, but my, you know, just my, my life, it's my journey that I, that I'm on right now. And it's, it's great. And, you know, their mom's very conservative as well. Their mom and all of her family, they're super conservative. So, you know, I, I, I talked to their mom and we both agreed, like, you know, to get them, we need to figure this out. So we put, we are all like in a, like a group therapy so they can find a happy meeting between the two households. Mine is very, gay liberal and there's this very conservative christian so and it's midweek like monday tuesday they're with me wednesday thursday they're with her and she lives with her parents so like it's just it's a lot for them so i think by the therapy has been helping them out like quite a bit with just trying to figure it all out you know and because there's times where like oh i don't want to go there or like they don't want to come with me like there was always something happening yeah. between the two worlds where it was just it was just they're polar opposites it's so difficult it was so difficult i think we have it down you know at this point but then by the time you have it down they're in the new phase of their life and then everything changes and you're like fuck now we have to learn something new it, it, it seems like it and i'm glad that you brought up therapy because i feel like also i mean not just in the gay community, but in the Mexican American community, there's a lot of stigma, right? There's like Veruenza yeah. also with therapy. We, I was never raised to think about mental health and to take care of my mental health. I was always told like, that's loco. No, you're not. I mean, they're like, no, you're not, you don't have these different things. You know, you're acting crazy or you feel this way, just man up or deal with it. These kinds of things that we hear the stigma. Um, so it's nice that you're normalizing that for your daughters. Oh yeah, of course. Because I didn't learn any of that shit when I was young. Like you said, like it was just like, oh, shut up. You'll be fine you know like get over it and you don't realize you don't learn how to deal with your emotions and deal with everything going on i had to learn it in my like mid-30s to like now you know i'm still learning how to handle it and still learning how to deal with it and i don't want that for my daughters and my ex-wife actually agreed with me on that because she's still dealing with it also and she's 41 42 and so she's like no, I get it. Like, we don't, we're both still like fucked up from our childhood and trying to figure it out. I'm like, I don't want that for them. We need to teach them. They'll be ahead of the game. We'll, we're teaching them how to handle everything and how to go through life. You know, like that's our job is to teach them how to go through life and handle everything that comes their way. Which brings another point too. Like, I don't like have any like filter around my kids. I don't have any, like, I don't screen what they watch or screen anything that like they can watch anything. Like, but I'll explain to them the reasoning behind like, the movies or like or like a lot of little details and like shit like some of them like fuck i don't even know like i shouldn't like euphoria i I was like i didn't know it was that bad yeah well i didn't know children it's bad and i was like oh shit this is horrible you know but then (laughs) but then i had to like explain but i explained and they understood where it was coming from but then i'm like fuck 
Oh, oh God, that was a lot. I, 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 I don't have kids, like I said before. I don't know. But I mean, when you say you let them watch everything, that's not like everything, right? Like, I mean, there's at least like, uh, I mean, are, are you saying like any rated R movie, like any anything they want? Yeah, like, but I'll wa- but if I watch it with them, we have movie nights. Every night we have like uh, just like a little session where we talk and see how our day went and see if I haven't seen them, how was their week, you know? We always, I make sure there's like a lot of communication there. And then we watch a movie together and then take their phones away because they're so addicted to their devices and then i take mine as well and then i'll throw it in the room you know throw in the room and then we watch a movie and then we'll like have a discussion about it you know or like because you know my youngest there's some movies we watch there's some words she doesn't understand so like i have to pause it and just like explain to her what what is happening and what it means so it's it's good i mean i don't know it's i feel like it's teaching them and like it's just good bonding time and it's just something that i really enjoy with them and we are so close because of that see pause the movie to explain something to someone would annoy the hell out of me this is why i can't have kids <laughs> i'd be like go in the other room and play with your cars or whatever the hell kids play with nowadays i don't know and and you're open with them too like the, you, you speak about your dating life they know about you being gay so that conversation is also happening yeah so that's happening all the time too yeah like they know about certain people that i've been dating and they haven't met them but they know of them you know they know of them i think it's just kind of like a i don't know I, I i want them to trust me so i open up a little bit to them so that they can trust me and come and tell me whatever they need or just tell me whatever there's certain things that they're just going to keep to themselves i don't know we just they're like my friends you know i'm excited you know to see where everything goes in the future with them because they're both really strong young women and i'm trying to teach them to be independent you know like i feel like a lot of mexican women are raised to be dependent on a man and i don't want that for my girls at all make them be strong independent Yep, exactly. I mean, all jokes aside, I'm always giving you shit and joking with you, but you're a really good father. I mean, you are. You 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 have this, you know, you you put them first. You are trying to raise them in a very tough socio-political atmosphere with everything that's going on. You know, they have a lot of stigmatization just for having a gay father, but also being, you know, Mexican women. Um, there's that idea of Marianismo, right? That the woman needs to be subservient, obsequious, to do whatever the man says, and you want them to be strong and independent. So that's right. that's that's pretty pretty good there thank you. So thank you when i think about being a gay father dating in san diego the pandemic going on i mean how do you even date now i mean it's it's you know th- at the time of recording it's may 2021 things are starting to open again how does a gay dad who's always busy date well i mean now it's a little things are opening up again so it's a little easier to go out and meet new people i really i mean didn't date i really didn't date throughout 2020 i just i had like you know a handful of people that i would just like hook up with throughout the whole time frame that i felt safe around you know like i was on the apps but it was more out of boredom the apps were still popping though like everyone was still trying to like I'm like, no, like, are you kidding me? Like, like, I can't, no, I can't. Okay, I lied. There was like one person. But like, I mean, it was... It was well, I'm, I'm it sure was just... it was more than one person. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no random people? No, but like, but the dating, I mean, it was just, it was difficult. It was so hard because we were just, I feel like we were confined to the same group of people the whole pandemic, which I love the group of people I was with, but the same people, you're, you're stuck on seeing this person and then even though it's toxic it's still that like there's nobody new that's coming in your life at this point because we're not meeting anybody new we're confined if we go out we're going to a restaurant we're confined to our table we can't meet anybody it was difficult 
But then, like, luckily, you know, like, I went through, like, a little whole phase. <laughs> so I had people, a little whole phase, you know, just, you know, just a little one. But then I had, like, people that I can contact, you know, from the past, I can reconnect and, like, and I trusted them. And, yeah, that was, that, that's really what it was during the pandemic. Like, it was difficult. And I was really trying to date, you know, I was trying to date, like, hard. I was just like, okay, I want some somebody there, you know, that I can be like, yeah, come over, you know, let's hook up, let's watch a movie, but then go home, you know? Like, that's really what I was looking for. Now there's a light at the end of the tunnel with all of that, <laughs> you know? Like, I'm starting to meet new people. Reconnections of people that I, I forgot about, you know? Like, when I dated, like, right after, like, a breakup, you know, where you're just kind of, like, messy at that point. It was just bad timing at that point, and so... Oh, yeah, things are going good. Now I'm this new person I'm dating is he's actually pretty cool. But there's a lot with him though. Oh, after y'all break up, then you can come back and talk about yeah. it. Yeah. That's a good bad stuff out there, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. So no, during the pandemic, so I have two questions for pandemic hooking up. So the first is you were like, I mean, you were still, I guess, following Fauci's advice. You were keeping your circle small, only hooking up with people you felt comfortable with. I mean, right. there was some risk at that too, but I mean, is that what you were doing is kind of... Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. So like, I, I mean, like when it comes to, I, I know a lot of people. So like I'm in like small group, it was still kind of a little large, but I wouldn't see them all at once. But like the, just the number of people like from the whole 2020, from like a regular year of like being single and hooking up was just completely low. I think it was like maybe like 10 or 11 people that I, I just kind of circulated throughout the whole year. 10 or 11 them. people for some is not low. You're like, that's, I know that's, that's like people's that. like lifetime. I know, but you know what? I like it. No, it's, you know, it's fine. You, you're single. You're, you know, that's what you have. That's what you do. Right. I mean, I, I think that there is also a stigma of like, you know, hooking up with a lot of people, you're automatically a hoe if you are. But I think as human beings, we have that innate, you know, want to be sexual, to be social, to be intimate, to want to be with someone. And during the pandemic, you're having to balance that, right? Having to balance safety and keeping not just you safe, but your daughter safe. Right. Exactly. Also, yeah. How do you keep your sanity? How do you fulfill your sexual desires? I know people will be like, oh, you can masturbate. Well, yeah, you can masturbate, but you still have that desire to be around other people. You know, you want that social aspect. Of it. You know, more than anyone, I love being out I love, and I, I struggled, you know, and I was always, I struggled just first off living alone. Like, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm here almost two years. I think I lived in this apartment. No, a year and a half, but still like I struggled living alone. And so like my outlet was like, when I didn't have the girls here, I would go out and mingle with everybody or have a dinner with like you or have a dinner with another friend like every night i had a dinner plan like every night so like it was that was my outlet and then they're like no you can't do shit like get to stay home that would that was that was hard that was so difficult and then but then everyone was scared like the first month everyone was scared so i was okay with it but then like oh god like that was hard, you know, and like, yeah. and you can only masturbate so much, you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> like, it's yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, that's a whole different episode, right? We'll talk about masturbation in a, in a different episode, but I'm glad that you survived the pandemic. You can't keep a horny social butterfly down. You're now thriving. <laughs> oh what God. is that line from that movie? 30 flirty and thriving. I know 40s and a 30. I, I know. I know. It's gonna be a whole different conversation when we're like, 50. <laughs> talking about how did you date during our fifth pandemic or you know covid 25 oh my god don't say that <laughs> or when eric trump runs for president what do you do there oh my god can you imagine you fucking no no I, I know and that's another podcast too how what do trump's kids look like well we'll have that episode coming up later <laughs> 
Well, we're coming God. to the end of everything. And I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I have one last question for you. And, and this is just based on your life, the little bit of it that you just shared with us today. Thank you so much for that. If there are people out there who are married and, and struggling with their sexuality, I know that people are bisexual and, and people, you know, sexuality is fluid and, and goes along the continuum. But for those individuals who find themselves in the same situation like you, who may be attracted to men, but are married to a woman and they can't do anything because of, you know, society or religion or culture, whatever that might be, what advice do you have for them? Oh, I mean, I don't want to like break up any marriages or anything, but at the same time, like just be yourself, be yourself. It sucks. It's going to be a struggle at the very beginning, but you are going to be so happy on the other end. You're going to be so happy and you have a group of people that are going to be there for you. Like you have a whole family that you're not, you don't even know exist yet that are going to be 100% there for you. So just take the leap and do it. Be happy. Be yourself. That yes. should be our theme for summer 2021. Yes. Whether there's a pride or not a pride. You know what? We're, you know what? I'm going to probably get everybody together and do a pride edition and just talk about the crazy debaucheries that happen. Oh my God. That'd be fun. Cause I, that's where I met my partner. I met my partner during pride. So there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of stories. Now there's some other things that happen in prior prides that, you know, let me tell him first and then we'll talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim. And, you know, hopefully everyone out there listening takes that to heart. Be yourself. It's very, very important. Thank you, Thank Nate. You for being on my podcast. Thank you, Nate, for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Sin Vergüenza, an unapologetically queer and brown podcast. Special thanks to Alex Piscitelli. Beats by Martin Marino.